Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. And what we're going to be looking at together is a whole range of things that are going to help us experience what's meant by this kingdom gifting, a kingdom of love. That love that God so freely gives us in the Lord Jesus, that we experience as we love each other. That kingdom of joy that overtakes you. We heard what David said today and so many of us here can testify that sometimes in amongst the pain we experience a God joy, a, a recognition that nothing is going to overcome us. Nothing is going to be allowed to happen to us today that God doesn't permit and we are indeed filled with the joy and the recognition in amongst the pain from that in, in the peace that comes. These are the things that we're going to explore today uh, and, and God's plan that he has a creation plan for you and for me. This is part of the kingdom gift. And as we get together and we come together this, this morning, uh, recognize that it's, it's, it's a gift that's given, it's been created for you, it's unshakable, uh, it's unbreakable, and it's unstoppable. All of those things that the video just said to us, the kingdom gift, the kingdom gift to you and me, here in our homes, people in Penrith who don't even know about it, people in all over New South Wales who don't know, people all over Australia who don't know, the gift is for them as well. And the dilemma is how do we then share that? And of course we'll talk about that as we get through this morning. And all of these things, these gifts that are given to us, are given to us through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All given through Jesus. And, you know, while history records for us, somewhere I am, I don't know where I am now. <laughs> while history records for us, Michael, you might see if you can find me here. Uh, history records for us uh, that there was a, a, a crucifixion. History records for us that there was a resurrection. And Jesus is the reason that we're able to get this relationship and this promised kingdom. It's recorded that, yes, he rose again. It's recorded that he made promises before his death. The promise that I've come to give you a life more abundant. His promise that I've come to set you free. His promise that I will not leave you without comfort. Where are we? There we are. He's caught me. Thank you, my brother. You might just have to stay with me if you can, because I'm not sure that this click is working. And the promise that we'll explore today is the promise that comes out of this verse of John. It says, when this comforter, this helper comes, he will show you the world, he will show the world truth about sin. When this comforter comes, 
He will show you the truth about sin. When the comforter comes, he will show the world about being right with God. When the comforter comes, he will show the world what it is to be guilty. This is part of this whole process of the promise that Jesus gave to us. I want to draw your attention, everybody, here and at home, to the words he. So often we hear some people uh, use the Holy Spirit term as an it. But let me tell you that that is not right. The words of Jesus call him a he. He's part of the triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Don't ask me to explain how all of that works. I'll leave that to the theologians. All right, all I know is that God tells me that it's true and I believe it. We read sometimes where the Holy Spirit can be grieved and it can't grieve, a he can. So there's a whole range of things here, whole range of things. I wanted just to explore, because all I'm doing now, by the way, is just, just a foundation, okay? This is just building a framework where we're going to move further into this aspect of the Holy Spirit. But there's two parts here. First of all, there's the part of pre-conversion. Before I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was working, trying to draw my attention, trying to draw my attention that I had a need. And my need was going to be met in Jesus. So the, the, before I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit's job was to, to convince me that I had sin in my life and I needed the Saviour. The Holy Spirit's job in amongst all of that was to say, okay, person, recognise your need and, and, and I want you to t- let you know that that need can only be met where? In Jesus. And so many of our world people today who have a need and they go to try and find it in oh, in material possessions, in seeking fame and fortune, recognition, all of those things that the world tells us, yeah, you're going to find fame and fortune, you're going to find recognition, you're going to find worth and value there. But that's not what the Holy Spirit says to me. He said, you're only going to find it in Jesus. And that's what he says to us sitting here in our service this morning. It's what he says to those people outside watching from their homes. You're only going to find satisfaction, long-term satisfaction in Jesus. Search all your will. Now, there's an after-conversion experience here too. This post-conversion, the function of the Holy Spirit, and this is what we're going to talk a fair bit about today, is first of all to teach me, teach me to overcome, whatever that means, and we'll talk about that later. The Holy Spirit says to me, he's an advocate. We'll explore that too. And he's a comforter. And he's a power provider. He's a person who gives to you and to me the resources that you and I need to make a difference in this world. He gives to you and me the resources that I need, I need, just to deal with today. And in amongst our mission statement, our vision statement, where we want to create an environment where people see the hope in Jesus, 
The function of the Holy Spirit is to help you and me do that. You and me help do that. Life to the full. Not just in myself, but in us as a church. And that's where we're going this morning. The Holy Spirit dwelling. Dwelling in us. Not just the gift, but we get the giver of the gifts. We're going to explore this. You know, when, uh, when I started in a job, uh, this was a, a technical training school that taught people to be technicians. I did an 18 months series of courses and I, I remember the guy who led us in that, who taught us to be teachers, uh, this is what he said, and I've never forgotten it. I had six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names were what, where, when, why, and how, and who. Great questions, and those questions have have stood me in stead many times when I've explored things, uh, both uh, technical stuff, yes, how does this work, why is this not working, and so on. But in my studies of life, in my studies of the Word, you know, I find myself asking the question, why was this written? Who was it written to? What's in it for me? Those questions. How can I put it into practice? Great questions to pursue. And so we're going to do that. Um, first of all, I want to just talk about who, the who of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, an influence, an influencer, that's a doing word, as opposed to an influence. In John 16, we read, he will not, he will lead you into all truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. An influencer. He will guide you and in influencing your path. He's powerful but not a power. He will provide you with the resources, provide me with the resources to live this life to the full that he promises. Once again, we read in Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. An influencer, a power, full resource for me, and the victorious, not just the victory. We are winners when we follow Jesus. Listen to these. And this is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. My reasoning says this is truth. My reasoning says this will give me value. My reasoning says 
I need to do this to make me feel better. The God's truth says, no, person, that's not right. Your, your resources ought to be in me. Those things are only temporary. They will pass. Your resources are in me, he says, and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstruction that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Where, who is the we? We take the thoughts. We take them capture. Tell you what, guys, it's certainly not me. And if we were to ask ourselves, and if I was to ask you, who do you think the we are, what would your answer be? You're allowed to answer. Us, the church, it's a group of us. It's not just me, it's us working together, taking thoughts captive, encouraging each other, listening to the voice of God. When I'm down, you pick me up. When Jimmy and Jenny are going through what they are, we get beside them and we love them and we encourage them. We take the things that are oppressing them, every thought, every everything that's going to hold them, and we take it captive and we say, no, God's bigger than that. God's bigger than that. The who of this Holy Spirit, okay, that's who he is. He's a powerful, he's influencer, he, he's, he's victorious. What about the what question? Okay. The what of the Holy Spirit. Well, what does he do? One of the things he does is he gives me new birth. He provides new birth for me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things are passed away. He gives me new birth. Last time I shared on this one, I reversed some words. You may remember that. The words I reversed were, uh, it read, therefore, if Christ is in anyone, they are a new creation. That's the, the, the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus dwelling in us. So this new birth he gives me. Don't you know, don't you realise that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? That comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you know this? Well, the answer is not always. Paul's reminding the Corinthian church here. It goes on to say in Colossians, then God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you. Oh, look at the context here. If you were to read that, you would read there that Paul is saying to these people, who's being asked the question, why are you going to the Gentiles? Why are you doing that? And he's going explaining, God has called me to share with the Gentiles this mystery that had been hid from the ages. Now the mystery, we can look through our Old Testament and we can see there that many times God came to visit. There for a little while, blessed the people, admonished the people, whatever it took, and then departed. But Paul is saying here that this mystery has now been revealed And it's now Christ in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. No longer does God come to visit, but he comes to stay. He comes to stay. 
Of course, one of the things I need to recognise that in coming and possessing the Holy Spirit, there is a battle in me. There is part of my natural nature, part of our natural nature that resists the calling of the Holy Spirit, that wants to do my own thing. And so I I need to recognise that, hey, part of me, a lot of me, maybe, (laughs) let's correct that, perhaps all of me, needs to die to myself. Needs to die to myself. Rarely will the Holy Spirit overrule. He's a prompter. He's a nudger. Sometimes showing me the two different ways, showing us the two different ways. Not always do I go the way that he says. So the crucified with Christ thing, there's a great verse, very complicated verse in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, says Paul. So he's saying really all my will, all the things that I want to do, well, I'm giving over to Jesus. I'm living, but the body I'm living in is just my body. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I who's living, but Christ who's living in me. Once again, you know, and, and sitting here, guys, as we are, sitting at home where you are, I, I want you to just take, take a breath now and, and realize that that's Jesus in you, in you, is or can be the Holy Spirit. He not only comes to live inside us, but when we die or when we die to ourselves, then he seals us as his possession. It says in Ephesians 1, when you believe, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Whoa, just think of that. When you were sealed in him, you were marked, identified, set aside, belonging to somebody else, not belonging to this world, but belonging to the world that God organises for us. That's difficult, isn't it? In this world, it's difficult to be set aside. In this world, it's difficult not to get distracted. But hey, even when we're distracted, God doesn't neglect us. God doesn't walk away from us. He says, you are still mine. I've sealed you with a promised guarantee of your inheritance. I've marked you. You belong to me. And of course, when he does that, what he does is he then places us into the body of Christ, the church. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Wow. Just think about that. No longer strangers, but citizens. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he's there for. Now, what about the when? What about the when of who we are? Well, in John 1 it says, Yet to all who believed on him, 
To them he gave the power to become the, the, the sons of God. To all who believed in them, to them he became the right to become sons, daughters, children of God. I remember my conversion uh, happened in 1959, uh, February, at a Billy Graham crusade here in Sydney. And I went down in a bus with my other young people. We belonged to St Philip's Anglican Church over here. But my relationship in the church was more social than spiritual. And I, even now I remember when, when Billy Graham gave the call at the end for those people to give themselves to Jesus, I decided I was going to go back to the bus. I saw some of my friends going. So I walked with them and I thought I had to go to the bus. When I came down the stairs, and I vividly remember this even now, the bus was that way, but I went that way. And I found myself in the middle of the arena talking to people about what it means to be a Christian. And my journey started then. It's my journey started then when I'm a believer. And because then I became a son, God sent forth the Spirit in me, in my heart. So the when of the Holy Spirit is when I believe, when I give my heart to Jesus. Now, the how of the Holy Spirit, this is a, could be a fairly controversial one, but we're going to look at the how, and there can be lots of different hows here, but certainly I, I see the image of Jesus when he was baptised and, and came up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. I read other portions of Scripture uh, where Paul uh, talks about laying his hands on people. In Acts chapter 19, if we were to read that, verses 1 through to 7, it talks about Paul coming into this area of Ephesus and there were a group of people there who um, were asked the question. Paul asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, well, hang on, we haven't even heard the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting if you look at this in, in the context, that Paul's question was then, if you haven't heard of the Holy Spirit, then who, whose baptism were you baptised with? I, I think there's some significance in it amongst that. And their answer was, well, we were baptised by John to repent, to say we want to follow this one who was to come. So even though they were baptised by John... That was before the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. Paul then said to them, you need to be baptised, rebaptized," And so they did. And when Paul laid his hands on them, Acts chapter 7, sorry, 19 says they received the Holy Spirit. So the, the, the how 
certainly baptism's part of it. Um, the laying on of hands, the praying with each other is another part of it. And we can talk a lot more about that. And now I'm not saying, <laughs> you've got to listen to what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying if there's people here or people out who are watching this, if haven't been baptised, that you don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if you are baptised, repent and be baptised to every one of you and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You do. It's very important. You you grasp the differences there because I don't want to be a judge of any person who has a walk with God. So the how is there, the, what about the why? And the why is the big one, really. The why of the Holy Spirit. Um, post-conversion, yes, teach me. After I'm conversion, converted, it's about teaching me the fruit of the Spirit. Teaching me to be more like Jesus. Now there are some of our people here, I'm going to ask you the question. I need you to answer this. In Galatians 5, we read about the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit. Who can tell me what they are? You're only allowed to offer one. Love, Love is one. Joy. Sorry? Joy. Joy is another. Peace. Peace. Patience. 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 Sorry? Understanding. Understanding. Kindness. Gentleness. Gentleness. Okay. Self-control. Okay. <laughs> Self-control. Cool. Now, we've got a couple of things here. First of all, it's fruit not fruits. That means if you get one, you get them all. And it's not an automatic process. This is where I said that before about having to relinquish me and let the spirit in me create new things. The fruit of the spirit for some of us in some of those things will come more naturally. But others, maybe not so. And the Holy Spirit's role in amongst all this is to prompt me. Perhaps you weren't very kind then. Maybe you need to revisit that and just practice it a bit more. Because that's what God does, doesn't he? He recycles the thing that we don't learn early. And Lord, I, I, I had that circumstance a couple of days ago. Yeah, he says, that you didn't learn then, so I'm giving it to you again now. That's how he works, whether it's kindness, whether it's my love, whether it's my peace, whether it's my patience, whether it's my gentleness, whether it's my self-control, whatever it is, it all comes together as one package and, and God ticks the little things that I need to work on to make the whole package come true. And what happens then, of course, is that I become for those people who are around me a reflection of Jesus, a reflection of his love. A reflection of his joy, his peace, his goodness, gentleness. And that's what we, as a church, as me as an individual, who was part of this church, want to put into place. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to know what it means to be an overcomer. What it means to be a person who gives up all of my own thoughts and allows God Remember that Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. That's where we need to be. One of the other things that the Holy Spirit does for us, he's an advocate. He speaks on my behalf. When I stumble, 
And I feel as though I'm not part of the family of God. He picks me up and he says, hang on, Perse, let's just go through this together. And he, and he, he reminds me, he's an advocate. Just remember, Jesus is part of you. He speaks to God on my behalf. God, this, this, this person here is one of yours. He's a believer in the Lord Jesus and his sins are covered by the blood of the Calvary's cross. An advocate, uh, you know, a courtroom. An advocate, someone who speaks on my behalf. He's a comforter. When all else fails, there is God. And some of you will know that, you know, for, for me, there was a time in my life when the only person I had left was God. And it wasn't a good time. But I do know that it's the time that I felt the freest the most released of my whole life. Everybody else around me, some people were told, look, he's dead. Leave him alone. But in that moment, whoa, where was God? Walking with me, walking inside me, giving me courage, giving me comfort, the function of the Holy Spirit. Sure, I stumbled, but the advocate picked me up and said, let's get back on the path again, Purse, and I will speak on your behalf. I will comfort you. That's the life to the full that Jesus promised. That's the abundant life that Jesus promised. How much do we need the hope of something like that in this world? How much do we need our, our friends, our neighbours to know the hope of Jesus? Oh, dearie me, where are we? Why do I need to, this, this, another why question? Um, and I think it's about power. Not power that overrules you or me to each other, but power to overcome the world. This is what uh, it, it says uh, as we read. It says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect. Testify with great effects to the people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Testify to them about me. You're going to receive power about my death, about my resurrection. So we need the power and the authority of God in us, first of all, to overcome our own natural nature, but we also need that power that other people might see Jesus in us. Do, do, do you feel comfortable with that? Do you, do you recognize that in you, every one of you here, every one of you listening, okay, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've said to all who received him, received him as your Lord, as your Saviour, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. And in believing with him and receiving him, have you done the acts to repent from my sin and be baptised and you shall receive this gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you done that? Because if you've done those things, then the power that is in you will equip you 
to live a life that's going to do what our mission statement says, create an environment, a hopeful place, where a world that has no hope is going to come because Jesus lives in you. Jesus lives in you. This manifestation, the spiritual gifts that are given to each of us so that we can help each other. The gifts aren't just for me, but they're for us. And certainly as a church, we need to ask ourselves the question, how does this jigsaw puzzle all fit together? What is God saying to us over these last couple of weeks? What's he saying to us today? And what's he going to say to us next week about this gifting of the Spirit? Paul says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the common good. So there's a benefit there for us as a family, as a church. Certainly, you know, for some, we, we read the, the, the New Testament and we see the excitement, we see the miraculous gifts, you know, the, the Peter and John raising the layman. We see, we hear that and we, we, in the name of Jesus, walk. Wow. And we get excited about that and we say, yes, bring it on. So that's not all of us, but because for some others there's, there's confusion, confusion in it amongst that. Well, I don't really have that sort of gift, and maybe my walk with God is as good as that person's. And, and, and this is what was happening to the Corinthian church. This is why Paul wrote Corinthians twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, because they had it all out of kilter. They they wanted the gifts, and he said that. Okay, bring the gifts on. You desire the gifts. But I want you to desire the best ones. And so we want to be careful that as we explore the gifts of the Spirit over the next week, that we don't put anything on somebody else. It's about what God is saying to me, what God is saying to you. That's why God, why Paul wrote Corinthians 13. Corinthians 13 wasn't written for weddings. It was written that people might love each other despite the diversity love each other despite the differences. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah, but I can do this. Not like that, guys. That the body might benefit. And as Adam shared with us last week about, you know, if I was a foot, then what's the rest of the body? If I was an ear, then what about the rest of the body? If I was an eye, what about the rest of the body? We need everything to come together that the body of Jesus might be built up. And so Paul encourages us, follow the way of love and eagerly desire. We shouldn't not want the gifts. He says we should eagerly desire them since you are so anxious to have the spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit. Ask him for the very best. Ask him for the best. The best is not what I think is the best, but the best is what he thinks is best for me what he thinks is best for our church. Okay, I'm coming to a conclusion here. You'll be pleased about that. And, of course, the question you would probably ask him, well, so what? 
why are you telling us this? So, so many of us already know these things. So many of us know the Holy Spirit and we've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why are you reminding us? What's the context here? Why are we having this series on kingdom gifts? Well, this is about reminding us all of the spirituality that sometimes gets lost in my busyness. Think of today like a spiritual grease and oil change, if you like. It's about replanting. You know, the plant in the ground needs nurture. It needs water and it needs it constantly. It needs sunlight all of these things. And so for me, when I talk about these types of things with you, it's encouraging us to refocus, refocus on something that maybe has just sat on the shelf for a little while, and that is my relationship with the Lord Jesus. The church, our church, this is the context, our church is on the brink of a whole new experience, guys. Whole new experience. New location, senior pastor, ministers, ministries. It's almost a New Testament experience for us because everything is off the table and we're going to start again almost. So I want to remind us as I come to this conclusion that what we're talking about today is not a figment of your leadership's decisions here or the imagination that we've come, we've put together. This is a scriptural foundation lot where it says all scripture... All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what we've shared with today have scriptural principles and scriptural foundations. Profitable, profitable for teaching. Teach me, Lord, how to be more like Jesus. Rebuilding, correcting, training in righteousness, training to be more Jesus-like. So that the servant, men, women, servants, church of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. That's, that's why we're doing this spiritual gift thing. And sure, we've explored the why and the what and the when and the how and, and the who. Okay, and we want you to explore that because I'm, I'm going to be in uh, maybe this Zoom meeting that I still have yet to organise and I'm going to need a hand to do. We're going to be talking about what are your spiritual gifts. Do you know? Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Because if you don't, well, perhaps we need some support here. Can we just go two slides, please, mate? Next one. Thank you. Your leadership here in this church, and I know many of us here, are completely open to what God wants to do for us. We want to be in the place where God can lay on us whatever he wants to do. That's only going to happen as we come together, as we love each other, as we pray for each other, as we pray with each other, as we recognise that the Holy Spirit is valuable in each of us. And we come together and we explore these gifts over the next week. Let me tell you a story. Next one, please, mate. I was watching cricket a while ago. I love my cricket. And Bill Laurie, one of the commentators, was talking about how difficult it was for the captain to set the field if the bowler didn't put the ball just where he needed to. 
You know, if you put it in the wrong place, the batman hit it all over the place. So how can you set a field to stop that happening? And Bill Laurie went on to go say, well, you know, there are some bowlers who are very, they're specialist bowlers, they know exactly where to put the ball, and they can do that all the time. There are some men on the team, members of the team, and girls cricketers, tremendous, I love that too, so whoever, specialist wicket keepers, specialist people in front of the, the stumps, pressure off special people round in the outfield, they're good catchers. There are specialists around, and Bill Laurie was talking about that, and the comment was, how difficult it is for the captain to set the field if the bowler doesn't put it in the right place. A team built on talent, how clever they were. Well, aren't we aren't the same? How can, Adam, how can your church leaders prepare us for this new generation unless we know who is good at doing what? Not just talent. <laughs> we, can, we can have great singers on the stage. We can have the best technical team in the world. We can have people in amongst us who are artistic beyond measure, and we've got some of those already. But it's the God part that makes the difference. It's the Holy Spirit part that takes the talent and makes it a gift. And so what we want to do as leadership is we want you to explore your gifts so that we know where to place you. What sort of ministry are you good at? Now we're going to explore that a fair bit more over the next week or so. But that's the objective, guys. If you're watching this and you consider yourself not part of the team, can I encourage you to get in touch with our church, to get in touch with our office? Because I would love to talk to you about what it means to be part of the Jesus family. What it means to receive Jesus. Many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the Son of God. To all who believed in him. I want to talk to you about that. I'll be glad to do that and, and see where we go. But for us, I'm going to give you a, a website somehow that I'm going to encourage you at home and the, you guys here to just click on the website and maybe do a, a quick 20 or 30 question about, you know, your personality type, what you like to do more than others, and that will help you to identify what your spiritual gift is. So that's the plan. That's the plan. And I pray that as we go through that, that you would be blessed by God, richly blessed by God as he reveals to you and to everybody here, what it means to be owned by Lord Jesus. Owned by the Lord Jesus. Let me pray as we conclude. Heavenly Father, as we do ask your blessing upon what we've talked about and what we've heard, my prayer is, Lord, that whatever has been said that is of me, that will die and wither, but whatever has been said in accordance with your wish, your Holy Spirit, that will plant in the heart of people that you will water that, 
you allow it to grow and nurture and in turn nurture each other. May we as a church continue to honour Jesus, to hear that call that others might know him. Pray your blessing upon us as we conclude here, those at home and those who leave this building. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I say thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us, people. We pray a blessing upon you. Ask God that uh, during this course of the day that you'll have a great day. If you need anything, don't forget, contact our church through our church office, our website. Glad to help you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org www.cofcpenrith.org